These are the kind of the thoughts I want you to have in the back of your mind. Where are you in your relationship with God? Is it like just uh, somebody that you're kind of aware of? Or is it somebody that you have decided to make to get to know? To give you an example, to make it really practical, um, it's always great. My wife's doing um, Katie, for those who don't know. She's doing youth, so she's out. So actually, I can, do, I can say whatever I want. But um, I first kind of noticed Katie, uh, I actually noticed her voice. Uh, I was at a prayer meeting, six o'clock prayer meeting, as one does on a Friday morning. Uh, not surprisingly, well, sadly, there weren't that many of us there. And, uh, and I heard her pray. I often say you can learn a lot about a person by how they pray. And I thought, I like the way that she prays. I want to get to know her better. Now, I had a very, it was kind of very convenient for me because um, I lived in a place called Birmingham. I was at university. Well, I wasn't at university then. She was still at university. Uh, I was a student pastor. And um, the church office, the name of the road is Dawlish Road. And it's one of the most famous roads for students in Birmingham. And the church office was at 98, Katie lived at 48, and I lived at 18, Dawlish Road. So I had to go past her house every day. Very convenient. And, and, and hers was what I would call a student house. Everybody seemed to gather there. You turn up at that house, and there'd be, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven people, and there'd always kind of be uh, food there. And so I, you know, as a good student pastor, I kind of stopped off on the way home, you know, and just checked in, and obviously, Katie was there. But at some point, I had to ask her out. I'm not going to bore you with the details. Let's just say I asked her out in such a way, being the shy person that was, that she didn't actually realize I'd asked her out. <laughs> it took her a month before she replied, and she can fill in the, the gaps. I always think I was a bit clearer than she thinks it is. But the kind of idea in the sense of relationship, I kind of was aware of her. Then I began to notice her. Then I had to put myself intentionally in places to get to know her better. But at some point, I had to kind of like pluck up the courage and ask her out. And then obviously, um, eventually asked her to get, it was a little bit easier. She was a little bit more obvious when I said about getting married. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I didn't have to wait a month for that one. And, uh, and now we've been married kind of 25 years. And so as we talk about that's part of my journey of surrender, of letting go in relation to my relationship with Katie. But the journey with Jesus is a similar theme. And so one of the questions is, where are you in your relationship with God? You might have been coming here for a while, maybe it's your first time here, and you're kind of aware of Jesus. It's like you're admiring him from a distance. Maybe kind of dipping your, your foot in. Maybe you ask about surrender, it's like, why don't you get to know him more? I'm kind of looking around. I think John and Trisha are here somewhere, but I know there's going to be a, an alpha course, which is an easy way running uh, next term. I can't see where they are. They're around here somewhere. John and Trisha? Oh, they're right at the back. So I think it's running in May, maybe, or something like that, or June. And so that's an easy way of like, trying to find out a little bit more about Jesus. Maybe you've made that commitment, and you're kind of like, hey, Jesus, I, just, I want to be your friend. I'm hanging out. But he's always inviting us into more. Greater levels of intimacy. And greater levels of intimacy always in, in any relationship involve a greater level of surrender. You see that if you've ever been to, even if you haven't been married, but if you've been to 
a marriage ceremony. That's what it's partly about, is that choice and decision to kind of put aside fiends for that place of love. So what does surrender going to look like for you in your relationship with God? And what is God inviting you into? So I'm just going to read a couple of passages. Firstly from John. Uh, this is a long passage, so I didn't put it up. I would have gone through multiple sl- slides. It's from the NIV. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. He'd appeared a couple of times to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter and a load of other disciples decided they were going to go fishing. So Simon Peter said to them, we're going to go with you, they said to him. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples who Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard this, heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. And eventually, Peter gets there. The rest of the disciples get there. Jesus very conveniently had prepared a fire, and he was kind of cooking some food, and they ate together. And then going back to, going forward to verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Then I'm just going to read another passage, which might look totally like, how does this link? But hopefully by the end of it, it will make some sense. So this is from a book uh, called The Songs of Songs. And if you ever read it, it kind of has different characters. It talks about she, it talks about he, and it talks about the friends. So I'm just going to read this, and I'll come back to it. And it says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. And um, though these passages are in some ways look completely different, in both these passages there's an aspect of relating to love and responding to love and an invitation to go deeper in love. And that involves surrender. But before kind of diving into that aspect, there's a couple of other aspects of surrender that we get from this passage in John and 21. To give you a context, 
Many years before, and you can read this in what's called the Gospels, Jesus had come along, he'd been walking along, and he'd seen Peter and his brother Andrew and his friends fishing, and he said, come follow me. Come and hang out with me. Come and become my disciples. And so they'd done that for three years. And coming up to the crucifixion, if you're not aware of the the story, there's a story where Jesus begins to talk about he's going to have to go to the cross, and he's going to have to die, and he's going to have to suffer. And kind of Peter says, you know, Jesus, I'm going to be with you through everything. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And Jesus says, Peter, this is paraphrased, you know, I love your heart. I love your desire, but I know that you're going to deny me three times. And actually, the crow is going to crow by the time you've, you have denied me three times. And that's literally what happens. Peter kind of denies even just knowing anything about Jesus. About Jesus. And so this story kind of follows. That's why you've got that kind of paraphrase, this kind of questioning. Do you love me? Do you really love me? And so Peter is on this journey of surrender. And there's a few things. Firstly, one of the first things that we see in this passage was that Peter went back to fishing. When things kind of became messy and things weren't working out as he hoped, he went back to what he knew. The thing is that God had a greater calling upon his life than fishing, physical fishing. God had a calling upon his life to be what they call fishers of men, to go and share the good news amongst people. And so the first thing that Peter had to surrender was his plans. And let God have his way. And so one of my first challenges to you, those who know me know I like to ask questions. Why is God inviting you to surrender? What plans have you got that you need to let go of? Whenever we follow Jesus, there has to be choices. Some of these might be more radical. Some of you know my, my, my story, my, my journey. You know, for a number of years, I've always done multiple jobs. I don't know why. Maybe I enjoy I get bored easily. So that's maybe why I like to do two or three jobs at a time. But for, one t- for a period of time, many years ago, I was a university lecturer at two of the most prestigious universities for business in the UK. I was also a senior pastor. And then God said, leave those plans. I want you to go and show Jesus amongst the Muslims in the Middle East. And that involves surrender. If you've ever gone to a country, I know some people have here, you suddenly go from being one of the most competent people in your area to being totally incompetent. You can't even speak the language that a one-year-old can speak there. There's surrender. And I keep doing that in different aspects of my role. What does surrender look like to you? What plans is God saying you've got to bring back to me? And he might give them back to you. But we've got to keep giving these things over to God. Not that fishing in itself was bad. It's just God had something greater and better for him. When was the last time God asked you? You invited God and said, God, what are you asking me to lay down? To place at his feet. Secondly, Peter had to surrender regret, shame. God in his goodness, Jesus in his goodness brought these up. 
what areas are we needing to surrender to God? You know, we were just having the kind of the video streams of hope. And one of these things they talk about is things like sozo and just dealing with the past and bringing up things. And there's something that is regret and shame in it. But we don't stay on that place. We acknowledge that place and we give it over to God. We surrender it to God because he's the one who can deal with it. That's part of what we were celebrating kind of last week. Because when Jesus was on the, on the cross, he was rejected. There's a whole load of shame around what happened to Jesus on the cross. Because of what he did on the cross, we can surrender those things to him. And so another question. I always try to make sure you have lots of questions you can take away and chew over your lunch. But what does that surrender look like? What areas of our life, areas of pain, areas of disappointment, areas of regret, do we need to surrender to God? To use that phrase we had at the beginning, to yield to him, to let go of. Man, it's very quiet here today. But that's part of our invitation to surrender. And thirdly, and this will link into that passage in Songs of Songs, there's that kind of surrender of stepping into greater intimacy and love. And to kind of get, begin to get an understanding of that, you need to do a little bit of Greek. Well, yeah, that's even less exciting here, but let me just flick forward. In Jesus' interactions with uh, Peter, he uses various words for love. There's actually four Greek words for love, and they're all written up there. But the two that we're concerned with are kind of philia, the kind of friendship love, and agape, which is kind of this unconditional love that we sometimes think of as kind of God's love. And so in that story, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And the first time that Jesus, the first two times Jesus says that to him, he's using this word agape. Do you have that unconditional love? And Peter responds, you know that I love you. And the word he uses there, he actually responds with a different word for love. He uses the word filia. The third time that Jesus asks him, he uses the word filia. He says, do you love me with that friendship love? And Peter responds, yes, I love you with that friendship love. And so there's a response, there's a reconnecting, there is a healing. Yet, Peter didn't step into, at that point in time, into the fullness of what he was being invited into. He was invited into an agape love, and he was only willing to go to the filial love. Jesus and his goodness always comes down to the level that we're willing to be. And so the question is, what is our response? This is why it kind of links into the passage that I'm linking into. It's not going. Can we click that forward? It's not clicking now. There we go. To the songs of songs. Let him kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder you young women love you. Take me away, you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. You see, this is an invitation into a greater level of love, a greater level of surrender, a greater level of intimacy. 
often when we are sharing with people about Jesus, we say, you know, would you like to have a relationship with God? And we connect with different levels. I know as a five-year-old, when I first began following Jesus, uh, you know, I was born and brought up in the Republic of Colombia, South America. You know, I was obviously the, the wrong language, the wrong color. I didn't look right. And so this idea of Jesus being my friend was one that I really connected with. And that's great. You know, we talk about the relationship being restored. We talk about this level of relationship sometimes in church. We use this thing about becoming disciples. If you're familiar in our church, we use this language, kind of becoming an apprentice of Jesus, learning from Jesus how he lived his life so that we can live our life like him. And so there's that aspect of following Jesus. And now we're going to look at another aspect of following Jesus, this aspect of kind of being a bride, and this aspect of Jesus being a bridegroom. There's a greater level of commitment. All those relationships are relationships, friendship. Kind of master-apprentice relationship. And they're all good, but God is always inviting us into more. And you see this kind of through um, the Bible. It's probably most clearly referred to in this book, The Songs of Songs. This one's called The Songs of Solomon. This idea of kind of marriage, but this kind of hint, this invitation to a greater level of intimacy, a greater level of relationship, weaves its way, particularly through the New Testament. And particularly, we see it again highlighted in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Probably the key difference uh, in the Songs of Songs is in the sense of the interpretation, you can interpret it both individually and corporately, but particularly that idea of individually. And as a church, again, my apologies for those who don't normally come here, but since kind of like November, December, we've been particularly having a period of time where we've been crying out, we're having prayer and fasting, and we've been saying, God, we want more. Yeah? We've been saying we want more. I can see a few nodding, so that's good. (laughs) Hopefully, we're all kind of saying, we want more, we desire more. And this can mean many different things, but one of the things I feel like God has been saying to me, and I think he's saying to us as a church, This invitation to step out into more is more surrender, more intimacy, a deeper level. And so the things I talk about, I'm very aware of, it's kind of like some things I share on, I'm a little bit more obvious what it means and what it looks like because I've seen it outworked in my life. This is one of the things I'm kind of saying, this is where I'm going. And my invitation to you as a church is, do you want to go here? Uh, An aspect of surrender uh, as an aspect of intimacy. One of the things I did this year, starting in January, I, I took on what's called a spiritual director. If you're not familiar, a spiritual director is somebody who is there to kind of help you in your journey spiritually with God. I can't think of a better way of kind of phrasing it. And, um, and as part of that, you sit down with a spiritual director and they say, why do you want a spiritual director? And how do you want us to try to help you? And so I wrote this at the beginning of my diary. I, have a, I, I keep a diary, a journal every year. And I feel like God's saying, this is what I put, an invitation to embark on a journey to learn how to more, sorry, an invitation to embark on a journey to learn how to fall more in love. That's what I thought God was saying to me. An invitation to embark on a journey to learn how to fall more in love. I'm sharing that for me, but I was saying, I feel like God is saying that to us as a church. 
whatever relationship you feel like you have with God, there's an invitation to fall more in love with him. And that's partly why it's brought me to this book. I'm not saying I'm there, but what I want to say is that there's more. And, uh, and just the last bit of this talk, I kind of want to point the way, I kind of want to whet your appetites. Is that invitation of going from admiring from a distance, more than just a kind of relationship and an acquaintance, but to use that language there, kissing, intimacy. So I'm just going to draw one of the books that's really helped me, his book, uh, Charlie Cleverly. Uh, I think he's still a minister there in Oxford. He used to be. And it's called The Songs of Songs. And, um, and he just said a few things, and I'm just kind of just wanting to whet your appetite. And, um, you know, this kind of book, I mean, what a book. He kind of just start there, letting kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. It's kind of immediate. It's demanding. It's intimate. It's intense. The bride, this she, is yearning for something deeper, yearning for something greater. And for some of you, as I speak, I can feel it, I can see it, that's where you're at. For some of you, it kind of just feels like it's over there, and therefore my desire is just to kind of whet your appetite by saying there's more, to go for it. The question is, do we want to do that? Go from filio to agape. And as Charles says there, on a human level, the kiss requires vulnerability and trust. It is not to be undertaken lightly. It is a point of no return. Kissing opens the beloved to the lover. It's a sign of saying, come through the gate, see who I really am. It is a bold, risky thing, but can be a relational breakthrough, bringing life and joy. If I was running a retreat, I'd give you like 10 or 15 minutes just to kind of just sit there and contemplate that. But it's an invitation for more. That invitation, and for some of you, they might not be familiar with it, but it changes everything. I already told you a little bit of my romance story. I'll probably tell my daughter, Sophie. My daughter, Sophie, loves romance stories. So I might say, hey, I uh, shared a bit of my journey. She might listen to this talk. But um, like it says there, there's a massive change. I'm not going to bore your romantic details, but I remember the first time I kissed Katie. I could actually tell you. The location. Yes. It's, uh, that's, as, that's it. That's as much as you're going to get. But it's a step. Because it's a difference. It's this one thing knowing somebody, being familiar with somebody. But when there's a kiss, it begins to change. Things begin to change. I love what uh, Charlie quoted in his book right at the top, this guy called Herman. At that first kiss, I felt something melt inside me that hurt in an exquisite way. All my longing, all my dreams and sweet anguish, all the secrets that slept within me came awake. Everything was transformed and enchanted and made sense. I know I read it fast, and again, maybe I could give you a few minutes to meditate on it. But in some ways, that kiss means change. It should make sense. Because whether you've been in a romantic relationship or not, you're probably just familiar with um, I was going to say it's not cartoons, but just, I can't remember the phrase I want, but things like the stories, the fairy tales, that's the word, or things like Sleeping Beauty, where the prince comes along and the kiss changes everything. 
That's why we want to kiss. That's why we want to be kissed. That's why we want to go into this deeper level of surrender. Because it means opening up more of your life to God in ways. The ways that I open up to Katie on multiple levels is I will not open up and do with anybody else. Because that's part of surrender. That's part of intimacy. That's part of that level and depth of relationship. You see, like with Sleeping Beauty, we're wanting to get kissed because that's when we become alive. That's when we are transformed. That's when everything changes. An early church father called Irenaeus, I'm never sure how to pronounce it, said, the glory of God is the human person fully alive. And there's a sense in which one is no more alive than we are encountered God in this way. Emily Ludwig, which I got up there, says, the decision to kiss for the first time is the most crucial in any love story. It changes the relationship of two people much more strongly than ever, the final surrender, i.e. marriage, because this kiss already has within it that surrender. When I read that a few weeks ago and preparing my talk, that's when I began to get that link into my head, this idea of surrender and this idea of intimacy. I'm not going to go deeper because I know for some of you it'd be like messing with your mind, but this whole book, Songs of Solomon, suffice to say that the rest of the eight chapters of this book, of this outworking of that relationship in a deeper level, and if you read it, it can get quite graphic, all started with a kiss. Because love and kisses are the theme of the bride's life, and it's also the theme of everybody who wants to seek God, to know him deeply and to be known deeply, to be known deeply and intimately and to know him deep and intimately. So as I kind of come in to finish, so when we talk about surrender, there's many layers to it. At the level of relationship we are at at this point in time with God, what does it mean to surrender to him, to yield to him? to give everything over to him. And that could be simply things, well, simply is not the right word for it. It could be things like our future, our families, our health, our callings, our relationships, our finances, time. What does it look like? What does surrender look like in those areas? Again, definitely, it's one of these things that you might want to take some time because these are things not to be taken lightly or quickly, that they be thought about. But there's also a deeper level of surrender. What level of relationship are you with God? Is he just a friend? Is he just your master? And these are all good things and biblical principles. But there's an invitation that we find woven through scripture to more, a greater level of surrender, a greater level of intimacy. I'm just going to pause for a minute. And then we're going to kind of respond to this kind of free communion. Because communion is all to do with surrender. So I've never said a number of different things, a number of different areas. For some of you, you know, it would be messing your mind. It's not often. I think I'm the last person who talked on the songs in this church. Um, it's not. As a child, it was never taught in my church. 
with that kind of book. But you know what? If you read the great theologians of the church history, they say that this book is like the jewel in the crown of all the books in the Bible. I'm not saying I agree with or disagree with it, but I think we miss out on that invitation when we don't get over some of the awkwardness and the language of it to get to that heart of the invitation to more, to more. I'm just going to pray. God, I know many of the things I've shared.